Good morning. It's really coming down, isn't it? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. I ask that you touch my lips with the coal from your altar. Search our hearts. You know the needs, Father, that we have. But I ask, Lord, that you do according to your will. Speak to us according to our needs. We ask, Father God, that you allow the word to fall on good ground. Your word is needed in our lives. Speak to us according to your will in Jesus' name. Several weeks ago, while, or probably about a month ago, I'm bad as far as time is concerned, um, while the church was on a retreat, I had the privilege to uh, say a few words here at the church, and I named it, the title of that sermon, uh, The Perfect Storm. It was based on Matthews 8, 23 through 27, where we see Jesus in a boat with the disciples, and a storm came across. I say a perfect storm so that God can actually show his authority over the weather and over the hearts of those that was on the boat with him. Well, this week I decided um, at lunchtime, let me go for a walk. This was actually Thursday and my wife works about five, six blocks from where I work. So at lunchtime, I decided, well, let me stop at uh, McDonald's. This is uh, what I was thinking, and I'll, I'll buy some lunch, and I'll share it with her. Well, um, as, I was, as I was entering into the McDonald's, McDonald's was jam-packed. So I started to weigh the time and, and the weight and so forth, and I decided what I would do is uh, just go to her job anyway without food, but I would go to her job as I do periodically. But anyway, while I was at the McDonald's, um, uh, being from that community, I got to speak, see a few people, but I actually spoke with one gentleman that I worked with for years, um, I actually don't know him by name, but we were always conversating in the hallways um, for many years at, at my um, other workplace. So we started to um, talk, and after that discussion, I said, well, I, I have to leave. Um, good seeing you, and, and hopefully I'll see you soon, and we can continue to, you know, uh, have a conversation. So I started working a little further, and by the right aid, well... I find two more people that I know. And, you know, I'm just that type of person that don't like to speak, right? Um, some of you laugh. I love to talk. My wife can actually uh, uh, confirm that, how many hours she spends a month in the car as I'm speaking to someone on the outside of my vehicle. So I start to speak with them. We have a, a nice conversation, and, and God comes into the conversation, and church comes into the conversation, and they're recovering addicts, and we started to discuss their recovery and so forth. Um, but it delayed me to the extent that the gentleman I was speaking with at McDonald's caught up to me. So 
as I'm walking, I'm starting to walk out of the parking lot of Rite Aid, um, I see him and we continue the same conversation that we had over at, while we were in McDonald's. But as we're walking, he bends down. And, and as he's bending down um, to pick up um, what happened to be a, a, a penny, he says, I never go past one of these and let it go. I says, wow, it's free money. Pick it up. It's free money. I mean, if you have 99 cents, right? One penny makes a dollar. Some places, believe it or not, if they don't have a penny on the counter to give to you, you owe them a penny. Bring it when you can. So he wipes it off, and as he brought it up, he said something that I actually have been pondering to speak about. He says, not only that, but if you look closely... It says, in God, we trust. What a message. On something that may not have value, but the wording on that which is written is so valuable. In God, we trust. And if there's a message today, that's sufficient enough for us to leave this place and do his will. In God, we trust. But in order to trust God, you need faith. And I'm going to give you some verses. As you know, I'm not the one to be a multitasker and have things on the screen because I'll be lost between which button should I push and what should I be reading. So um, I ask that if you would like to write the verses down, write them down and, and look at them as I build up what I feel that the Lord has to tell us today. Now... It's imperative that we have faith. If we trust God, you may believe God, but to trust God is a whole different subject on its own. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he hath come as to God, you must believe that he is and the, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, faith is believing God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now, faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, saying thank you, for that which you are praying that you're going to receive. That substance, believing, knowing. There's a story that I've said multiple times, and, and I'll repeat it for the sake of that one. Maybe they haven't heard it. There's a family praying because they didn't have food. They get around the table, and they hold hands, and they're believing, they're praying. They're saying, thank you for the food that you're going to give us. A little child that you thought wasn't even paying attention of the family. Tug on the jacket of the daddy and says, you're missing something. The father says, what are we missing, baby? We prayed. We prayed to God. The child looked up and said, what you're missing 
is to have the plates, the dishes on top of the table. They believed, but that child truly had faith that food was going to come to that table. Faith is believing and knowing and truly trusting that God will reach whatever need you may have. So the prayer should be, thank you, Lord, for what you're about, for what we're about to receive. So God also also may speak to us. And when he speaks to us, we must have the faith to act on what he tells us. He has many ways throughout the scriptures that he may relay a message to the person that's to receive the message. We see that Daniel 5.5, there's writing on the walls. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lab stand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote on the wall. A way that God spoke to a king. He also used a donkey. Second Peter 2.16. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey. The burning bush. Mark 12.26. Now about... The dead rising. Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham? Through dreams, he spoke to Joseph. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And also, his audible voice. When Jesus was being baptized, the Heavenly Father said from the heavens, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well and pleased. Another method that God utilizes to speak to his people is through those that have the gift of prophecy. Corinthians 12.10. To another, he gave miraculous powers, and to another, prophecy. There are different ways that God may speak to his people, speak to a nation. We've seen through animals. We've seen through even the walls. We've, we've even read how he speaks to, um, to us through his audible voice. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If he needs to speak with you, he will utilize whatever's needed to grab your attention. And I, I love the prophecy aspect for the last but not least for the simple fact that um, Jonah was a prophet. God spoke to him. It doesn't say how, but nevertheless, he said he spoke to him. I don't know if he used any of the, of the other methods that he utilized in the scriptures that I read. But nevertheless, he spoke to him. But it's important that 
when God speaks to you, you have to have the faith in order to act on what he's given you, of the instructions that he's given you, what he's told you. You must have faith. As a matter of fact, you need faith to believe that he used a donkey, that he rode on the wall, and all he's seen was the writing, a hand writing on the wall. You need faith even to believe that. Nevertheless, if he speaks directly to you. Now, we know that Jonah was a prophet, but he didn't have what is the main ingredients in any gift that you have. In his case, was prophecy. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 tells us, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. So you may have heard the word, read the word, seen the word, capable of speaking the word, but if you don't have love, it has no value. That's exactly what happened to Jonah. Jonah heard the word of God and God gave him instructions on to go and speak my word. What happens with Jonah is that um, he was disobedient. He was supposed to go west. He chose to go east. He thought he would go far away from the presence of God. But I don't care how high you go, how low you go, how deep you go, wherever you go, God is there. He's the creator of all, knows all, sees all. He's the great I am, the beginning, the end. He knows our hearts. The most deepest thoughts that we hyper in our hearts, he's in there. He reads them. He knows them because he is supreme. He is God, and he is God all alone. So he ran. He sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. But God, wanting to grab his attention, sent a perfect storm. The storm was caused to grab the attention of Jonah. When the storm rose up, all the sailors that were on the boat, they started to call on their gods, but Jonah chose the rest. Jonah chose the rest. Everyone decided that they would call on their God. Could it have been that God was trying to have Jonah to call on him? But he didn't. He rested. So they cast lots. They wanted to find out who was the cause of this storm. So they asked Jonah, who are you? In our storms, there's always a culprit. Whether yourself or whether someone else. There are culprits. And in this case, it was Jonah. And God will reveal the causes of your storm. But in retrospect, there was a great possibility that his storm or that storm that was in particular for Jonah to grab his attention could have calmed down if he only called on the name of the Lord. But he chose not to. What he chose was preferably to die. They asked who he was and who he served. He said, I am a Hebrew. 
I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens that made the sea and the dry land. Yes, he believed in the God, but he didn't have faith in him. You can believe in God all you want, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Jonah, when they asked him, what can we do to calm this storm? Jonah said to them, throw me overboard. Throw me to the sea. Jonah preferred to die rather than to be obedient. He rebelled against the living God, the one that he confessed had everything under his domain. Why do you say he chose to die? He did not know a fish was waiting for him. The storm was still happening. Throw me overboard. The one who calmed the sea, the one that calmed the sea at that moment was God himself because he showed grace and mercy. Don't you and I know that there are moments and things that we have done or not done because the wages of sin is death. But instead of death, he gives us life. He calmed the waters. He calmed the waters and sent them the first submarine. How you like that? And that fish, because of that storm, was the vehicle that God would utilize to bring him to his purpose. Your storm, my storm, could it be just God trying to get our attention? And the Lord, Jonah 2.10 says, And the Lord commanded the fish and vomited Jonah onto, the dry, onto dry land. He vomited him to his purpose. Many times... We give too much credit to the enemy. The devil did this. The devil did that. And it may, may just be God allowing certain things to occur in your life to bring you to your destiny. My father would say, that poor old devil, he gets blamed for everything. That was the time to laugh, church. <laughs> now God is a God of second chances as a matter of fact it says that if the just seven times falls seven times he will raise him up he told Peter it was a custom to forgive 70 times Jesus said 70 times seven daily that's the graceful loving, merciful God that we serve. Amen? Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. 
Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey in the city proclaiming 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Simplicity. Seven words and two letters, I believe it is. Our message doesn't have to be complex. With something as simple as that, God's message, to relay a message, doesn't mean that you have to quote Genesis from Revelations. Sometimes the simplest words may transform someone's life forevermore. That simple message reached the people. And the people, in the verse, fifth verse says, The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed in all of them, from the greatest to the least. And they put on sackcloth. Sackcloth, it was a way, a symbol, which was for mourning and for repentance. How and when that started, I don't know. But nevertheless, it was symbolic. And that just showed that they truly believed that God was about to destroy Nineveh. But also the king... The sixth verse, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in dust. Seven, this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let the people or animal, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may may yet relent and with compassion turn with his fierce anger so that we will not perish. He made a decree. He said everyone. He knew the importance of calling on God, not just as much as the sackcloth and, and not eating and fasting, but the key word there is to call on God, to go before his presence, pleading, asking him to do, to undo what he said he was going to do. He's a God of mercy. See, God's objective is not to destroy. His objective, his objective is to bring to repentance. God doesn't want to destroy this world. What he wants to do is so that everyone can repent. So God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's so for so whosoever may believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So God loved the world. He loved the Ninevites. He loves all sinners. And we all come short of the glory of God. 
Do you know that if we point one finger towards someone that we may believe that should not be um, saved, we're pointing four other fingers our way. The Bible tells us not to judge for the staff. He carries the staffs. He makes judgment. And the staff that we judge with, we shall be judged with ourselves. Now, Jonah, in the next chapter, you'll see clearly that he was against God saving those people. He brought judgment against them. But he brings them a message, and I'll leave that for next week's sermon. But God, the 10th verse, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened them with. He chose, as he did with Jonah and those that were on that boat with him, he chose to give life. Where death was eminent, he chose life. Like myself, as I say openly, in the days when I was doing all the wrong, I should have physically perished. Physically perished. And I turned my back on God because my calling was from as a child, God was calling me. But I thought that by running, he would not catch me. You can run, but you can't hide. I remember being in, you know, in my sin and 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 in my sin as I was doing all my thing and you know partying all, all the wrong ways and so forth. But always in the back of my conscience, in my mind, I would say to myself, I think this is the day God is going to strike me dead. My conscience was killing me because we know right from wrong. We know good from evil. And God has given us a conscience, and we do know that there's a God. Now, why Nineveh? Sin reached the presence of God of, from Nineveh. In my reading, I find out that it was, there was a lot of violence, a lot of terror, a lot of killing in Nineveh. And it says that it was filled, a, a reign of violence, terror, torture, and killing conquered the people. And they pridefully carried home, listen to this, parts of their enemies, leaders, bodies as souvenirs of war. The king would usually bring the severed heads of recently conquered kings home, raise it on a pole in the midst of royal banquets. Inhumane. Inhumane. I kind of can understand why Jonah really wanted to see the destruction. I mean, let's, let's be realistic. When you hear in the news or in the newspapers of, 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 of human beings doing crimes that are just unjustifiable, crimes that just don't make no sense, we really, I don't know about you, I probably at some point couldn't be a police officer because I, I don't know. Maybe I would be the judge and jury at the same time. I, I don't know that. That's just realistically speaking. 
when you look at groups like Al-Qaeda and the things that they're committing, gracious, horrible acts, you kind of can see where Jonah's mind was at at the time. But God loves them too. As difficult as it may be, God loves them too. The theme of this is that God saves people that are doomed. You can bring out so much from this story, but it's evident that God wants to show us that even the people that are set to be doomed by their action, God is capable of saving them also. The wages of sin is death. But the love of God is eternal grace. And I want to go back to that penny. There's messages that we may receive in many ways and shapes and forms. That penny, or you and I probably won't look at a penny the same anymore. All of us, believe it or not, have a message this morning, and you're sitting on it. You say, sitting on a message? I want everyone to reach under their chair really quickly. Just reach under there. There's something hanging there. In, in the very front, in the metal, in the metal part. Yeah, I took my time to do that. All these chairs. I'm tired because of those tears. Whew. But some people miss the message. They're not where they should be to receive what God spoke to them this morning. But if they're still sitting there, eventually somebody will sit on that chair and they receive the message. Don't miss what God has in store for you. God has a word for each and every one of you that are here today. In God, we trust. But you need the faith to act on that trust. Trust him. If he tells you go across the street and that homeless person that people are bypassing him, that you're thinking, hey, all he wants that money for is for drugs. She wants that money for drugs. Go to them anyway. It might not be about the money or the food that you may hand them. It may be the message as simple as Jesus loves you. Nothing complicated. Nothing complex, nothing from Genesis to Revelation, something as simple as God loves you may forever transform someone's life. But you need the faith. We all believe in God, but do you trust God? There was a, um, a mountain, uh, one of those people that paralleled from the size of mountains, a mountain climber. Well, this time he was descending. He said, let me go down. Time has, is, is, is quickening. It's getting dark, and I won't be able to see the bottom. And he starts to, to climb down the rope, climb down the rope, and it got dark. It got so dark, he didn't know how far the bottom was. The rope, he got to the end of the rope. He says, I'm going to perish. God told him, jump. He said, that's not God. I'm going to die. So guess what? In the morning, they found him 
dead on the side of a mountain hanging. He was three feet from the ground. If he would have jumped, he would have been alive. God speaks to us in the most simple ways. But sometimes our human nature does not allow us to, to comprehend that God is capable to speaking to a wretch like me. You may not feel worthy enough. You, not feel, you may not feel that you're good enough. You may not feel that you're qualified. But trust God. Move on that faith. Find the faith. Ask God for faith so that your faith, like a mustard seed, all you need is faith like a mustard seed, and you tell the mountain to move. The Scriptures tells us the mountain has to move. Not because we said it. Not, not the only reason it's going to move is because we trust God. Trust God. Most of you knows my story, and I'm going to repeat it. I lost a job recently because of faith. Yeah, I had a storm in the midst of it, but I trusted God. Didn't understand it, but I trusted God. I understand the politics of work. You don't speak about God. You don't speak about Jesus. You don't speak about prayer. And nevertheless, you don't speak about, in my case, addiction. I was sat down by the univer a university, and they wanted to know more about me. Who am I? You do such an excellent job. Who are you? What do you do? I knew that it would hit the fan, and I know that my job was at a, at, probably at the end of the rope right then and there, but I trusted God. I sat there with that journalist, and she started to write. About two pages worth. She recorded it. Tears running down her eyes. She says, you don't know how much you helped me. If only for one. Sometimes you must sacrifice, maybe, if only for one. The greatest lesson about love is sacrifice. God loved us, so he sacrificed his son. He showed how much love he has for us. And the scriptures tells us how to love one another by sacrifice. The commandments are held on, on, on hanging on two, two words. On two verses, love thy God above all things and love your neighbor by your, like yourself. Based on that, a job that I had for 25 years, I lost it. But in God, to lose may be to gain. They said you would never work for this company again. Had a little wave for a moment there. But there was a vehicle. The vehicle was the Holy Spirit. That same company said they would never hire me again. I'm working right back with them. Because the God that we serve and we trust is capable of moving mountains only and if you believe. If you believe, you shall see his glorious works. If you believe, 
I'm sure that you'll come back into a testimony. Your test will turn into a testimony. But you must believe. I don't know about you, but some of you may be in a storm right now. You might be blaming somebody else. You might be blaming yourself. But could it be God just trying today to grab your attention for you to call on him? And when you call on him, things start to happen. And your history, it will become your history. What is your history? Break it into syllables. His, his, his not your story, not my story, his story. That's your testimony. That's what may be sufficient enough to walk up to someone when God said, speak to them, no matter what they may look like, no matter how tall, how short, what nationality it may be. It may be sufficient enough to transform somebody's life forevermore. Amen? And I'll leave you with this. My island, Puerto Rico, and my family that lives in Puerto Rico, um, had their storm. It was perfect. Not in a good way. It was perfect. It went right down the middle of the island. People don't know this. I just heard this yesterday. The news may say that 50 died, 60 died. No, no. Hospitals. People in the hospitals are dying. They couldn't be taken to uh, funeral homes. They had to be cremated because of the weather and because there was so many people dying. A friend of mine is here from Puerto Rico. He was telling me this. But one thing I see, I see that God is utilizing this storm to bring together in Philadelphia, over one weekend, we raised over $100,000. If you go to where we serve the, the, our friends in the community, there's a building, there's a factory on the first floor that the people have come together and donated. I mean rows and rows and rows of water and food and medicine because the storm is bringing unification. Storms may be the cause of your issue, but it may transform your situation. Because if you allow it, it'll bring the people that are involved in that situation to come together. If it's your family, I say in families, families separate for whatever reasons. That's a storm. But could it be a perfect time to bring everyone together and go to God with your issues and concerns? We don't have all the answers, but we know that one who has all the answers. His name is God Almighty, who sent his only begotten son so that we may have life versus having death. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, 